0: This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jarrett Duncan.
1: I am R.J. p
0: And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week we're tackling spine number 11 in the Criterion Collection, the seventh seal, directed by Ingmar Bergman from 1957. But first, R.J., how are you?
1: Uh, I'm not doing too bad, man. Not doing too bad. Kind of a nice little weekend here. Um... I just, there's a little kid in the, like, the neighbor's backyard yelling, like, ten minutes ago. Yeah. And he was just like, Martha! 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 And I was like, what the hell's going on? Because it was, like, going on for, like, five minutes. And I went out and I looked, and he had a Batman and a Superman, the action (laughs) figure. And he was just mashing them together. So... What? That was pretty pretty funny. I didn't think uh, that joke, um got across to uh like kids under 10 but apparently it did Hmm. he must be a youtuber
0: yep (laughs) or future youtube star
1: future youtube uh vape star
0: well (laughs) uh vape jokes um well i mean Mm. while keeping it creeping uh, i mean you could have gone out there with a video camera and started videotaping this small child with his toys and did you take um, this and post it online.
1: To to, to what end?
0: I well, you don't know, just to educate the world to like show them the greatness of Batman versus Superman, right?
1: See, you did you did it again now because now the creep catchers or the hunters or whatever you brought up last uh, episode. Now you're gonna have to take this one for not safe for work, mild creeping. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just, there's no chance anymore. We're gonna get shut down.
0: Oh man. This is all I got.
1: So, I guess, how are you doing now that uh, this is our last episode?
0: Um, well, uh, it's the weekend, as you said, and uh, here I am uh, sitting at my kitchen table talking to you mm-hmm. via internet. Um, it's going okay. Yesterday, uh, here in town, was Love and Records. It's sort of the mm-hmm. uh, down at the downtown park, a bunch of... Record vendors from uh, all over the province and abroad gather and uh, hawk their wares, and uh, vagrants. Vagrants, uh, yeah, there were mm-hmm. definitely vagrants around. Uh, but there was like a uh, a Ferris wheel that they brought to ta- oh. brought in for this thing for the one afternoon, and there's live That's acts, nice. which I don't could care less one way or another. Um, mm-hmm. Some people would show up for that, but I don't. What Did that?
1: you go to the the fair in general?
0: To the the fair in
1: general, the Love and Records. Did you go? Yeah. Just, uh, did you go cop some vinyls?
0: Yes. Well, yeah. My girlfriend, she's the uh, vinyl collector. Um, I j- I'm a digital man, and uh, mm. she's she's got the an- analog up in her office, all ready to go. So yeah, she went and bought some stuff. Uh, I think like one of the things of note would be like the Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Uh, original Ooh. soundtrack That's um cool. yeah that was kind of neat and then I guess like stuff that like safe bets I guess some uh Judas Priest some uh, Nine Inch Nails uh I can't remember the name of one of the other ones and Dio actually I think she bought like the Donnie Darko soundtrack like, is the, there Dio the, on there uh no
1: oh
0: <laughs> last I checked
1: hey, never mind
0: I haven't seen old Donnie Darko uh, for a long time, so maybe some deal was slipped in there amongst the tears for fears.
1: Well, I think uh, old Ronnie James, doesn't he play the sister to Jake Gyllenhaal's Donnie Darko? Isn't he the sister?
0: Uh, I don't know. I'll, li- I'll let uh, listeners check IMDb on that one. Okay. They'll, they'll, well, I'm pretty uh, sure. You just, okay. just trust it. Well, they'll, they'll fact check it. Don't you worry. Yeah. Speaking of listeners, RJ, Uh-oh. we what? got an email.
1: Yeah. Oh my God! Is it from someone we don't know, or is it from yeah. my mom? Uh,
0: it is from, but yeah, I, I don't know. Your mom doesn't message me anymore. But uh, no, it's like a, whole, like a real life person that I've never met.
1: Mm. Interesting um, if true.
0: Yeah. Uh, that this email is from one Oliver Granger, I believe that's how it's pronounced, uh, and he writes, "Thought I'd send you an email since you said no one has." And I read that and it made me really sad. <laughs> uh, keep up the good work, you creeps. Uh, hey. coming at you from Auckland, New Zealand. I believe the first New Zealand film you'll be watching on the show is number 301, An Angel at My Table. Looking forward to it.
1: Oh, man. This guy's got a lot of confidence in us. If uh, <laughs> he's predicting we're going to last to 301. I mean, I know you're in for it, but uh, I don't even know if I'm going to make it through the night like, to be alive. <laughs> It's pretty rough behind the Pizza Hut. Well, yeah. Uh, As you said, there's vagrants everywhere. You got to stand your own. And every night is, um, every night could be the last.
0: Well, I mean, it's all those uh, sweet pickles you're uh, digging into.
1: Hey, you don't tell the audience about that. That was a private conversation we had. Mm -hmm. This guy doesn't put sweet pickles on his roast beef. Fucking ridiculous. (laughs) But, uh, anyways, that was a nice email by Oliver. Yeah, Yeah. Oliver? Yes. Yeah, all right, man. We're reaching out there into New Zealand. Go Wall Blacks. Woo! <laughs> um,
0: yeah, uh, I guess like uh, one thing I'll mention is like that uh, movie, uh, An Angel at My Table. Uh, it's actually on my list of movies to get to um, because it was on the uh, Danny Perry's alternate Oscars book uh, okay. from a few years ago. Uh, for, I don't know if RJ, if you're familiar with Danny Perry, but he wrote like these really influential, uh, books called like cult movies. And I'd say that he's like probably one of the more like influential writers just cause like he was digging through, um, film stuff kind of like in that pre-internet age and like compiling like essays and books on like, it's like books or sorry, movies that people should be watching. Mm -hmm. And, like, I mean, uh, they had copies of those at the public library here in town, and uh, I remember taking those out multiple times. Um, But, yeah, the alternate Oscars book, I actually never read it, but I've seen the list of his, like, suggested, like, best picture winners that are alternates to the ones that actually won. And Mm -hmm. uh, An Angel at My is from 1991. But what's funny is in uh, two episodes, we are going to be watching the movie Danny Perry didn't think should have won best picture uh, in that year.
1: Uh, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit? Yep. Okay.
0: Yeah. So we'll see. Well, we're going to see. We're going to see how New Zealand stacks up to Sister Act two, Back in the Habit. Uh,
1: spoiler alert. That's there's no movie on Earth that matches up to that gem. So. (sighs)
0: Sorry, New Zealand.
1: Sorry, New Zealand. You you can't beat Whoopi.
0: Yeah. But yeah, it's really awesome to receive some uh, email or listener feedback. So yes, uh, if you are listening out there, uh, we welcome it. It's really nice to know that uh, there are people out there that we don't know who are listening. It makes us feel good about ourselves, a real boost to the self-esteem.
1: Mm, I'm the opposite. That causes great panic inside. Me.
0: <laughs> that too. Yep. Anyway, uh, with all that panic inside, uh, what you've been, been able to creep on lately?
1: Uh, uh, again, I got a creep light for you, like L-I-T-E, yeah. like creep light. Um, I did. I got a few things. Uh I managed to squeeze in this movie that I'd been hearing a little bit of things about, heard it was alright, called um I Am Not a Serial Killer.
0: Yeah. It came yeah. out
1: this year. I think the director's name was Billy O'Brien. Okay. Um I, I think I looked afterwards and he's made some other stuff, but like nothing recognizable. I think this was the first kinda big esque movie he had, and I, I say big because like Christopher Lloyd was in it. So <laughs> I I I take that as like a big get like if you could get christopher lloyd in a movie you must be doing something right mm-hmm. um but anyways uh i really liked it um i thought it was a pretty good show uh, it was it was about like so your main character is like a 16 year old kid he's got long hair he's kind of pale his uh single mom runs the um the funeral home in town so he kind of helps out with that and then uh, you see him getting kind of bullied at school. And then you find out that he is somewhat somewhat secretly but almost openly like he thinks he might have the potential to be a serial killer. He like he has a therapist that he talks with like every day. And he feels like all of his attributes check off like what common serial killers have. Yep. And like he feels like he has the potential to be a serial killer. And so it's kind of the movie is kind of about like him interacting with people knowing that like basically he has the like i said the potential to like do these horrible things and then as he's kind of creeping through his town did you see what i did there Mm -hmm. did you see what i did there as he's creeping through his town he uh he finds out that um, some of his neighbors aren't uh, exactly what they seem to be in a basically small like any town usa uh is where it takes place. So um, it was pretty good. Like uh, there's kind of like there's a twist in there that I won't uh, give away. But um, I liked it, man. I thought it was pretty cool. Like uh, for what is obviously like a low budget indie film, I thought they did a really good job. Like it looks really good. Uh, the score is really good. Um, and I even thought the story and dialogue was pretty good. What kind there's of score really- does it have? Uh, it starts off with like some metal. And then it goes to like some synth stuff later yeah, on. Yeah. So uh, I appreciate that. It's like so it's basically I think it was all filmed in Minnesota and like uh, half of the movies during like the Christmas win- like winter season. So uh, there's lots of shots of him walking around and like steam coming up from manholes and like him walking to like synth music and stuff like that with lots of neon lights everywhere. So I dig that stuff. I think that's super cool. Yeah. Um, there was a really like there's a really funny moment where like uh, they're exchanging Christmas gifts and it's like him, his mom, his sister and his aunt. And he gets like all three of them, the exact same thing just because he's like he doesn't care at all. It's pretty funny. I liked it. <laughs> so, um I don't
0: know, have you heard of this movie? Uh, Yeah, no, uh, it's been popping up on my Letterboxd uh, feeds because there's been a lot of people who've been checking it out because it's on video on demand, I guess, right now. Um, And yeah, it seems like it's all been fairly positive. I haven't heard anyone really dislike the movie at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess like, yeah, people just kind of talk about how like, I guess Christopher Lloyd really wasn't, in the trailer or people didn't think he played like a important part in the marketing, but then you watch the movie and it's like, he's actually a real highlight. But I mean, that's Christopher Lloyd. So, uh, there you go.
1: Yeah. He's a highlight. Hmm. He's, and he's doing pretty good like for how old he must be. I think, uh, like he looked pretty limber, like he could still move around and stuff like that. So (laughs) that was uh that was really the big
0: draw. Sounds like they oiled his joints.
1: (laughs) Uh, there is a, a nude scene with him. So oh. you, there's a, oil might be involved. I'll let you discover that on your own. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, yeah, he was really good in it. He had a pretty big role and um that was actually kind of the big draw of why I wanted to watch it was him. I I actually I wanted to watch uh I for this week I've been really thinking about Tim Curry lately. So I feel like I've missed him and I was going to watch a uh, legend. Cause I don't think I've seen that since I was like five years old, but uh, mm. I couldn't find my copy. So I, uh, I, s- I went from Tim Curry to Christopher Lloyd. I settled on that. Maybe next week I'll watch clue and I can get both of them and have the best of both worlds.
0: Or uh, you just watch uh, Dennis the menace for your Christopher Lloyd.
1: Oh, I love him in that movie where he's eating those beans. Fuck. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's one of the best scenes ever.
0: Good old switchblade Sam fuck
1: yeah yeah he's wicked in that role um <laughs> hey you want to hear a funny uh, speaking of Dennis the Menace you want to hear a funny Dennis the Menace story okay uh I had a neighbor that was like one house down and like they were basically like family friends uh they had a son and a daughter that were like my older brother and older sister's age so they were all friends and stuff and like we'd go hang out in there and I guess I don't really remember this but I guess when I was little like five or six or I don't know like under ten I would like just go into their house like without without being like welcomed or anything like that and uh, the um one time the the guy who lived there um family friend like i said he came like home and he like opened the door and i was just sitting in front of the tv with an entire bucket of ice cream and i was just eating the whole thing and i was like hey mr wilson uh, his last name wasn't Mr. Wilson, by the way. So uh, from that point on, uh, they they all called me Dennis because I was just like a little fat kid who basically broke into people's houses and ate their took their ice cream. So just like, um, it's like like yeah,
0: it's like very a uh, Dairy Queen uh, Dennis the Menace.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so tales of a fat kid. We will continue <laughs> with that another day
0: <laughs> uh but, you, you act like and you make it sound like you stopped doing this
1: well, I mean you, I you're still doing you're it. still
0: like entering people's homes so when they're not home,
1: you, yeah, but i stealing mean. stealing their ice cream amongst other their things, yeah, they're uh, on the pants, their ice cream, their virtue, uh, their virtue, yeah, their yeah. very souls, you might say, yeah, yeah, so uh anyways, that's just a fun little story, so that was the only movie I watched, yeah. but update. Stephen King update, Jared. <gasps> I finished uh, Wolves of the Kala, which was book five of the Dark Tower series. For Finally. King. Finally. Well, it was a fucking 30-hour audio book.
0: Um, that was like eight episodes ago that you started that thing, I think.
1: Yeah, I know. But, so I was only listening to it when I was like uh, exercising, basically. And uh, as a fat piece of shit, it, it was few and far between. So about a month, yep. an hour a day. Not even like under an hour a day. So that kind of works, right? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Anyways, so that was pretty good. Um, It's not one of the better of the books. I see it get like talked about a lot as as being one of the worst ones, which I don't really find. I don't really get. I think it was basically on par with the third book. but uh, So it was like the seven samurai um, idea uh one thing that was weird was so books one to four were narrated by this guy named frank uh, Mueller or frank muller and if anyone out there's like an audiobooker you'll know he's like a primo dude he he narrates the shit out of books like in book four the dark tower there's like 90 fucking characters and he always nails like their accents all the time and i was listening to this one and it was like a different guy and I, i was like why is there a different fucking guy and he like gets the accents wrong or or like he forgets like what the characters sound like basically or like Stephen King will do this thing in these books where like one character is talking and then the next sentence will be the thought of the character in the paragraph that like it brings up later so like the guy narrating it didn't know to like look forward to see who's was coming up next so it would be like in the same character voice but it was like a different person I know that sounds like a really little thing, but like when you're listening to when that's all you're listening to is these audiobooks in succession, like I've been like, you kind of pick up on it and I didn't notice, but or I thought it was weird. And then in the afterward of the book, Stephen King comes in and he tells why. And I guess that Frank Muller guy was like in a car accident and he can't do voice work anymore. Mm. So that's really sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boo. So I don't know. I just thought I'd tell you that it was it was not bad it's not as good as uh, some of the other books in this series but uh, one thing it made me feel really fucking stupid because like so this was the fifth book of seven Mm -hmm. and like uh, I don't know if I like completely missed it or if I'm like that dumb but I was always under the impression like so you know base the basic premise right like the gun like gunslinger Roland is going for the dark tower I was always under the impression that the Dark Tower was bad, but in this book, they're like, "No, it's good. We have to protect it. That's why we have to get there." And I was like, "Huh?" I was like, "What? What?" I was like, <laughs> "Cause it completely threw me off because I had never like heard that before. I don't know if I just completely missed it. Like, I'll admit, sometimes I zone out when I'm listening to these books, but." You can usually piece it back together, but that seemed like a pretty big thing to miss entirely. So I don't know if, like, he just thought of it, like, in the fifth book or if it was like that the whole time and I just missed it. Hmm. So that's weird. Also, uh, he made himself a uh, character in these books in the series at this point.
0: Okay. I knew that was coming. Yeah. (laughs) I know there's, like, something involving, like, uh, an agent of the Crimson King. Is he, is he, is that the big bad guy in the books or like the, yeah, like the, like like the specter? Yeah. And there's like a thing where like the, the guy driving the van that hit Stephen King was like an agent of the, like there's something like that.
1: Yeah. There, there's stuff like, so like, uh, one thing, I don't think it's a spoiler, but like a character from Salem's Lot appears in this series. Okay. And like he tells his story, which is basically Salem's Lot. And then later they find the book Salem's Lot by Stephen King. And like Stephen King becomes like a character in the story and I was like huh mm. I was like I guess you're doing that now hey um so that was kind of weird I don't know book five was a little like I can see why people don't like it that much I didn't think it was that bad but there are some things like it kind of seemed really contrived like <sighs> like I know I know like fiction like storytelling in general is contrived like it is because you say it is you know but like a lot of it seemed like too much coincidence Like. It's like, OK, one of these characters is now a telepath. Why? Whatever. Might as well be. And uh, they, all these characters are connected by the number 19. Why? I don't know. Just because. So it's like anytime they come across things, it's like they meet a group of walkers and there's 19 of them. And then the one guy's name, his letters add up to 19. And it's like, why? Why not? Why do you do
0: uh, it? It seems like the, it's like the worst number though. It's like oh 19. Uh, oh, you know, it, I think uh,
1: it's well, it's cuz there's 19 uh levels to the dark Tower. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah.
0: And then you can you have introduced like 19 unnecessary characters or like have like you only yeah. need you need, need 5 of them, but the other uh, you know, 14 are just there and yeah. you do not care about them. Pretty or, much. So, so, are you going to be uh launching right into Song of Susanna?
1: I already started it, actually. Oh, okay. There they you were. go. So, and this one, um, uh, thank God, is not a 30-hour affair. It's only, it's a nice, humble 13. So, I should be done that. Um, I have a, a pretty thick work week ahead of me, and I should be able to get at least 10 of those 13 hours done just at work. So, uh, the other three should just fly by. So, i I'll, I'll be moving on this series a little faster now. Cool. So... Updates to follow. It's relevant because there's a movie coming out soon. <laughs> uh okay. So what have you been creeping on?
0: Uh um, well, I finished off the uh the Shatner train. Uh oh, yeah. going yeah, finished off the last few uh Bill Shatner movies I had to watch. And it was kind of a flat finish. Um, what did we watch? We watched uh Impulse, where he plays kind of like a Man Child uh serial killer, I guess. Uh, really? th- the only copy of the movie that exists, unfortunately, is like public domain VHS. And, uh, so watching it, it's like quite a, I don't know, it's kind of a chore to get through. Cause everything about the picture is like just, you know, flat, ugly VHS-y looking.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But, uh, William Shatner, he's, he has a couple of good moments. He's got some pretty ridiculous lapels. Ooh. Um, and, but other than that, uh, it's been a little bit since I watched it now, but, Nothing really worth recommending. I mean, there's, there was always, like, years ago, uh, like, some U, like maybe, like, pre-YouTube videos, like uh, Flash Days and stuff like that, of uh, just, like, him just, like, freaking out, overacting, chewing mm-hmm. the scenery, yelling at women, calling people bitches, I don't know, that sort of stuff. And that's probably all you really need to uh, enjoy Impulse. So you don't really need to watch the movie itself. Uh, okay. <clears throat> followed that up with The Devil's Reign which, Ooh, uh, it sounds is, good. Yeah. I mean, it's got a pretty stacked cast too. I mean, you got, you got Ernest Borgnine. And oh yeah, yeah. Yep. And he plays the, the lead Satanist. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, oh, and, uh, John Travolta isn't like kind of like as a bit character, like before like Saturday night fever. Yeah. So, uh, he's there wearing a John Travolta mask. <laughs> It'll make sense.
1: Look like a John Travolta mask
0: if you know what you're looking for. But I mean, like uh, William Shatner also gets to wear a William Shatner mask uh, at one point.
1: Is, is that where the uh, the infamous uh, Michael Halloween, Myers mask yeah. came, came well, from? Was it because of that movie?
0: No. Well, I mean, p- before that movie came out, there were uh, William Shatner Halloween masks because they made like a company license. Well, I mean, because back in the day, like people were like, oh, let's capitalize on Star Trek. And so they were making Star Trek masks. So there's Leonard Nimoy masks and William Shatner masks. And I guess that's what they actually grabbed. It wasn't, I think that's how it is. It wasn't like a, because there was just like, uh, people make that assumption, like legitimately yeah. that, Devil's Rain masks got turned into that. But no, it was like an actual Halloween mask that they uh, spray painted white and then they dyed the hair black, but then mm-hmm. the, uh, it didn't work properly. And that's why it goes green. Because uh-huh. it's supposed to be black, but uh, that's what, it wasn't properly fixed. Uh, it wasn't going to work that way to paint it black. So it turned green. All right. So that's how you get the Michael Myers mask.
1: Okay. But yeah, so, now de- I know.
0: so Devil's Rain. Uh, it just reminds me a lot of like, I mean, it is total 70s, uh, like regional film horror stuff where it's just like it's lots of wide shots. It has sort of like a weird dream logic to it. Mm-hmm. Um, like the movie follows, uh, it's like William Shatner's uh, family has been protecting this book from Satanists for hundreds and hundreds of years. They want their, get their, uh, their satanic hands on the book. Um, and I guess this is the point in time where they do get it into their hands. Uh, the devil's reign is like a, uh, cosmic cube sort of device where people's souls get trapped and like basically, they're trapped in sort of like a phantom zone. Uh, yeah. I'm just kind of just using all my uh, comic analogies here, yeah. and, it's, and it's just like all these people up against glass as they're getting rained on, screaming in this phantom zone where their souls are just trapped before they can get, uh, I guess, sent to hell. So it's kind of like a uh, a purgatory state. Sure. And uh, yeah, it's just the movie about saving people's souls or trying to, and then there's a lot of melting, lots mm-hmm. of melting faces, like 15 minutes of people melting. Um, I would probably not recommend this to most people, but I liked it for kind of like his goofy uh, Midwest uh, or I kind of like your whatever, Southwest America-like stuff. Because there's a one movie called Race of the Devil uh, with like Warren Oates also versus mm-hmm. uh, Satanists on the Roads. And it's, it's like right in that uh, 1970s American Satanist movie uh, movement that was going on. It's not like there was like hundreds of these movies, but there was a few Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just another one. Uh, it's got some really cool uh, s- Satan makeup there, or whatever you want to call it, demon makeup on old Ernest Borgnine.
1: I saw that. I saw you uh, put the pick up there and I thought it looked pretty fucking rad.
0: So. Yeah, no, there's some good, there's some good visuals in there. Like, and there's like, actually um, I think like Anton LaVey of the actual uh, church of Satan. He, he has a credit as like a, uh, like te- lending his technical assistance <laughs> Which I think okay. is like I mean that just sounded like in line with like him just like having a laugh at that like yeah yeah but like there's like a really awesome graphic of like uh like you would definitely have this as if there was a T-shirt where it's just like mm-hmm. kind of like the whatever the pentagram with like all these like really great like uh, white lines on a black background and it just mm-hmm. looks great like re- like super very uh, clean kind of that mm, yeah 70s mathematical textbook look. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just like, well, that's really nice looking. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the movie's like super widescreen and, um, yeah, no, it's fine. Like, it's like not a super interesting movie. I don't think if you don't like real horror, if you don't like horror movies or 70s horror movies, probably just avoid this one entirely. Cause there's like the few really good ones are probably what you should stick to. This is just mm-hmm. like for people who kind of like this stuff, which is okay. Cause I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I topped it all off with kingdom of the spiders uh, that that features uh, old Bill Shatner uh, versus tarantulas. Um, oh. th- go, 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 so going back to uh, uh, discussion about animal cruelty. Uh, so th- this film uh, apparently they hired about like five thousand tarantulas, and, hired. Yeah, and uh, I don't know a lot of uh, some of these tarantulas didn't make it to the uh, other side of the filmmaking process. They're just like mm. driven over, stomped on, dumped, thrown down chimneys set on fire just 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 uh i don't know it's just like huh it's a lot of dead tarantulas and yeah um,
1: but um spiders are icky so
0: yeah there is that (laughs) but (laughs) there's that yeah
1: Um, Well, that sounds okay. I don't think I'll ever watch the Spider one, but that other one with Ernest Borgnine, I'll check that one for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that would actually, of those three, uh, it was the standout. I'd say overall of all the uh, Shatner movies, um, The Intruder is top notch. I thought that movie Mm -hmm. was really good. And then uh, Incubus uh, was (laughs) very, very good. And I don't know, after that, you'd probably be like, just like Devil's Reign. Um, Hmm. for like, for, I mean, for non, yeah, for non-Star Trek, William Shatner, you'd probably be okay with that. I think he's also like in like a legitimate movie, like, uh, Judgment at Nuremberg. Uh, I'm sure that's probably okay, but, uh, that's not what I'm looking for, I guess.
1: (laughs) I think your trifecta of, uh, clans movies, uh, and then Satan worshiper movies. I think that, that trilogy sounds okay. I checked those out, but maybe none of the other ones.
0: Oh yeah. Nope. That's, that's what I'm here for. I'm going to, don't
1: got time for it, but you do <laughs> apparently. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. And other than that, uh, I've been kind of continuing on with my, uh, whatever I called it the, a few weeks ago, my, uh, slaughter, September slaughter. Mm-hmm. Where I've just been rewatching like classic horror movies I hadn't seen for like a long time, um, which means like five years or so. Uh, yeah. So you know, I, actually, I watched a couple of Criterion films uh, on top of the, the <gasps> episode the gun. one. Yeah, some Videodrome, some Rosemary's Ooh, yeah. Baby. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just spoil my thoughts on those. Those movies are both incredible, and. Okay. uh And then for non-criterion horror stuff, I watched The Fly again, um, Cronenberg Fly, and that's like the best monster movie ever made. Mm -hmm. It's just so good. Uh, I mean, the one thing I kind of forgot about uh, was that uh, Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum were actually a a couple at the time that movie was made. So Mm -hmm. they have like this legitimate like chemistry that just like makes that movie so uh, effective. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, the gore. <laughs> uh, it's it's, I, it's so... Oh, God. I was,
1: watch, I was watching that movie with my girlfriend two years ago, I think. Yeah. And during the arm wrestling... Like, she's a little squeamish. She doesn't watch a lot of the horror stuff with me. Like, so I, I kind of pick, like, things I think she could get through. And uh, it, during the arm wrestling scene, when the bone breaks out, she literally... Uh, fell off the bed and just left the room. She she was gone. Oh, uh. she was gone. She was like, nope. I'm out of here. Like she almost no. threw up. So I,
0: I, <laughs> no, hey, that's that's great. Hot though. endorsement. Yep, that mm-hmm. is that's that's a that's a hot take. Um, yeah, no, that movie. Uh, I think the first time I ever saw that, what would have been on like one of like the basic cable channels we have up here. Um, like YTV. Sh- like yeah, <laughs> yeah YTV. two uh, probably Bravo or Showcase? And I remember mm-hmm. watching it for the first time. And, like, at that point, I was just like, oh, it's Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, he's, like, really in good shape in this movie. And oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then he gets all bumpy and lumpy. And then he's, like, "Yeah, lots of, like, some sexy scenes in that movie, too. Which I think is probably what really, like, piqued my interest at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Gross. Yep. yep. And, um, yeah, that wrist... Kraken spot was something that like was like whoa,
1: yeah, it's Uh, gross.
0: Yeah, Uh, the one thing I the one thing that like the movie does leave me asking though is like what what did they do with the turned inside out baboon?
1: Uh, I have that.
0: Yeah, you oh you you got it.
1: I acquired it through a series of trades with uh, Cronenberg. He got Viggo Mortensen, and I got the inside out fly. Oh,
0: oh, I think he still won out on that deal.
1: Well, time will tell. Time will tell. Time will t- have you ever seen them together? They have a very weird relationship.
0: Uh, well, the inside of so Cron- Baboon? <laughs> and then no, uh, Vigo? Cronen-
1: <laughs> Cronenberg and Vigo. Like, I guess one time there was an award show where uh, Vigo introduced uh, Big Davey, and uh, Dave came up on the s- stage, and, like, they kissed on the lips. And then, like, they just kept going on. It was weird. Like, I don't know. What, that's, inter- there, uh, like- man, that's
0: an industry thing.
1: Okay, is that I was going to say it's not like a cultural thing cuz Cronenberg's from Toronto or something and I don't think Canadians just kiss each other on the lips as like hello.
0: Uh man,
1: not over here at least. Not around these parts. Not on these parts, maybe on the east coast. <laughs> they're they're pals. I yeah, I know. I didn't say it was like bad. I just said they have <laughs> like they have like a weird kind of relationship. That's all.
0: I suppose. Um, I also watched I? the '70s Invasion of the Body Snatchers because oh, yeah. I had not seen that movie since uh, watching it on like uh, it was like a, it was a public access TV or a public access channel um, back really? in the late '90s, I would guess, and it was like a, for like Athabasca University and like their, their film historian guy who like did the course, he kind of looks like a Michael Moore-looking person. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, he would just, like, they would have, like, all this, like, public domain sci-fi stuff. But every once in a while, they'd actually have, like, one of these, like, studio movies pop up there, usually Warner Brothers stuff, I'm thinking. But, Mm -hmm. um, like, that's, like, the first time I would have seen movies like The Killer Shrew or, um, uh, like, Delirium, what is it, Dementia 13. And then, like, then they'd be like, oh, here's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I'm like, well, I've heard of that. I know that title from just, like, reading film books when yeah. I was a kid. And then I watched it, and, like, I just remember being, like, like, whoa, this movie's super 70s. And, like, that's, like, mm-hmm. the, that's like a really iconic movie for me as far as, like, kind of capturing what the 70s looked like. Um, yeah. And But like, that's, like, the only time I'd ever seen it. I just kind of vaguely remember it kind of being boring and, like, not super interesting. Um, but then, like, just, like, it came out from uh, Screen Factory this past year. And I've seen people rewatching it, and they're, like, really, like – talking it up, like it's being like this masterpiece, Mm -hmm. like on uh, Twitter, there was like that, uh, seven favorite horror films and a lot of like prominent film critics, like they were, they had that movie on their list and I'm like, what? Like, I'm Mm -hmm. like, is it really that good? So I decided, uh, to watch it. But then I realized that my old DVD was non-anamorphic and -hmm. I'm like, no, 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 no. So I just got the, uh, the new screen factory one as well and watched it. And, um, it's a very good movie. It's like really good. But, Mm -hmm. uh, is it an all-time banger? No, it's not. Um, there's, like, I mean, I'd say the first hour of that movie, the sense of paranoia uh, that they set up and, like, the weird, like, kind of camera decisions and, like, background stuff when they're kind of moving through that, uh, whatever park that is uh, in San Francisco. I don't know if it's Hyde mm-hmm. Park or what. But, uh, like, there's, like, so much really good stuff that they're building toward and mounting that, like, I'm like, wow, this is, like, really good, amazing, haunting, like, imagery. Um And I was, like, really kind of getting into it. But then there's, like, a point where there's, like, a half hour in the movie where it's just, like, the characters all, like, arguing in apartments, like, about, Mm -hmm. like, what's going on. And, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just seems like it keeps going on and on and on and on and on until finally, oh, no, no, there's pod people and they're coming to get us. And then the movie kicks right into gear again. But then it kind of, like, it kicks into this, like, gear where it's, like, oh, now it's, like, the chasey kind of action stuff that, um, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's good. It's cool. There's some good, uh, pod effects and, uh, Mm -hmm. whatnot, but, and like the final, like five, 10 minutes of that or whatever is the last five minutes of that movie are really, really great. Mm Um, But yeah, no, it's like that. There's like these shots of like uh, just like pure people staring out of bus windows and uh, people. There's like the my the really awesome cameo with uh, Kevin McCarthy, who is the main actor from the original uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers movie from the '50s. His like uh, cameo where he shows up and he's just like screaming, "They're they're out there." you could be one of them. They're coming for you next. And, like, it's the exact same thing from the 50s movie. And he's, like, banging on the car door of where Donald Sutherland's driving um, yeah. with a girl. And then he, like, takes off. And they're like, oh, he's just a crazy person. And he runs around the corner. And then, like, this, like, like 12 or 15 people go running after him. And oh, it's, like, yeah. at that time, yeah. it's, like, oh, he must have done something. And I'm, like, mm-hmm. oh, God. Like that, like, that scene was, like, excellent. Like, that mm-hmm. was, like, uh like I yeah loved it, loved that bit, and like there's just yeah. those little scenes in the movie, like the stuff with the, uh, well, dog man, <laughs> man dog, uh, mm-hmm. that that thing. Um, even though like I didn't really, when I came across that image just by itself, like years after the fact, I didn't really remember from seeing that in the movie, but mm-hmm. I just loved that face that man dog thing and that was like Mm -hmm. my like msn messenger uh, avatar profile picture for like two years and (laughs) people would complain like why why is that there still why don't you change it i'm like it's it's who i am it's 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 part of you it's it's, it's what defines me as a person
1: you uh you evolved out of that dog you you need to (laughs) keep it as a part of you oh yeah um no, i, I kind of agree with you. I, I watched that movie, I think, for the f- like first time, like two years ago, and I was like, meh. I was like, it' all right. Like there's scenes I like, but uh there wasn't uh, there wasn't anything there that really wowed me, but I'm also a drunk, as we've said many times, so who knows? maybe I, I didn't even watch the movie. Who knows
0: what state you were in? Yeah, yeah. exactly. uh yeah, and then I also uh, revisited uh, uh The Shining." Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, with our good friend Stephen Weber. No, mm. no never oh. I'm not no. Fuck McGarris. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I watched yeah. Yeah. No, so yeah, uh Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Um, mm-hmm. yep. All time horror classic. It mm-hmm. um man, like the funny thing was like when I was watching The Shining and Rosemary's Baby, um, I was like watching them and I, at one point I was kinda like, How much longer is left in this movie? And then I checked and it's like, oh, Fuck these movies are like Over two hours long But like mm-hmm. they, But they don't feel like It's because like I hadn't like really uh, Partitioned my time out To watch like An over two hour long movie When I was yeah. like Picking what I was going to watch And so I was like Oh I Kind of like annoyed Because I was like Oh come on Why is this mm-hmm. This movie still has to finish up But I was like But at the same time Like the movies are really good So like yeah The Shining yeah. Um, My big takeaways Like it's the first time I'd seen the movie Since watching that uh, Room 234 documentary mm-hmm. So there was like A lot of that stuff now in my mind with those guys kind of doing their, uh, sort of commentary track coming from all sorts of, uh, interpretations of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, most of them being wrong, but fascinating. Um, yeah. I don't know. Have you seen, uh, the room Two Thirty Four
1: documentary? Yeah. I hated that movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Why, why did you I, ha- I hated it.
0: Why did you hate it?
1: Those people are fucking crazy. They, well, they it's are. He's like, like, if you look at this can of beans, it symbolizes the Native American Native genocide. genocide. That's real. and I was, calumet. I, <laughs> I was watching it and I was just like, oh god. I was like, if I wanna, if I wanna listen to like a bunch of assholes talk about random crazy shit, I can go into the Pizza Hut, like. I don't know, man. Or I, the Criterion I just, Creeps podcast. The Criterion Creeps podcast, yeah. yeah. Listen to a couple of assholes. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I just... I was watching it and I, I just wasn't into it. I was like, I don't care what all these people think. Like, some of it was... Uh, I'll, I'll say some of it was, like, interesting about, like, the framework of how we set it up. Like, s- the way people detailed, like, scenes and stuff like that. I like that, those parts. I just didn't like a lot of the very, like the Jesse Ventura-esque grand conspiracy theory type things. That's what I didn't like about it. So.
0: There's there's the one I remember, like, the one woman, she's, like, talking about the Minotaur. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah. that's just, like, so ridiculous. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's, like, one of the, like, there's, like, the moon landing stuff, which is, like, that's been talked about for a while. Um, mm-hmm. th- I think, like, the... I think, like, for me, like, the Room 234 documentary, uh, what I liked about it was that it gave you time to enjoy that movie in a completely different way. Like, you got to see, like, even if you you could zone out on what they're talking about and just, like, kind of you just, like, imagine listening to, like, a different type of music and you actually get to just watch the movie in slow motion and you get to see, like, how edits are working and, like, juxtapositions mm-hmm. are working and stuff. There's the one, uh, I think the uh, one person who runs the website at the end, he put together, like, a film festival and, like, he ran the film, but he played, like, the movie forwards and backwards and projected it on one screen. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was like really cool. Um, like I, like it was just interesting, like kind of as a thought experiment to see like how things would match up and cross over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know like I, I've watched uh, the, that director's follow up film, like the nightmare. Cause I've heard mm-hmm. that, that's not so good, but, uh, I, I mean, I liked Room 234. I mean, it's, it's just a glorified, like, mm-hmm. uh, special feature on a Blu-ray kind of thing. Like, it's not, like, a great documentary, but mm-hmm. um, I think it's, like, an interesting little companion piece yeah. for, like, someone that's, like, a big Shining fan, Shining. which uh, I've always kind of been a fan of that. Uh, again, it's like another one of these movies I remember watching on TV. But that one, mm-hmm. I actually, that one actually used to play on A and E a lot during the middle of the day. It was yeah. like The Shining, but it was also edited, um, so I never really got like the whole um, uh, the bathroom scene with the like the old lady, the old lady or young yeah. woman to old lady thing. Like because they usually mm-hmm. cut that out quite a bit. Like yeah. or, it's just goofy how they did that.
1: So I have a few things to comment on that. Um, I also saw that movie like on TV a lot when I was a little kid and probably on like Showtime or Showcase or something like it was always on like really late. And uh, I was like an indoor kid, so I don't like weekends. I'd stay up late watching movies and stuff like that. And I remember I saw that old lady scene and it scared the fucking shit out of me. Like looking back, that's probably like one of the earliest like actual fear memories I have is that old lady because just flipping through as like a fat piece of shit little kid on weekends, you stumble across this movie and then like <laughs> there was no one there at like one in the morning to tell me not to watch it, so you watch like <laughs> something like that and I always thought it was like the scariest thing, but um no yeah I I know what you mean like for and I I gotta correct you I think you said t- room two thirty four but it's two thirty seven isn't? okay yeah yeah so um watch your shit man because our buddy Oliver is gonna send you a very uh, worded email about no, how uh, inappropriate <laughs> you are.
0: No, it's gonna be uh, our friend Stephen.
1: Oh yeah, you'll you'll hear some of
0: that. Yeah, but, I get, um, I hear that in live
1: uh, experiences though. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you uh, fuck up.
0: That's true. It is on me. I, yeah. I if I stop fucking up, I won't have to hear that shit anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, that's about it for my creeping uh, news! news and general complaints. Mm-hmm. Um, my news is boils down to December Criterions were announced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, been uh, good? uh eh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. We'll see, uh, several hundred episodes from now when we have to watch them, but uh, we yeah. got uh, Fellini's Roma. Oh, come on. Oh, come on.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm always going to hold that for Fellini until otherwise impressed. Uh, all of his unwatched movies will be a fart for me.
0: All right, fair enough. Okay. Uh, we got we have a Blu-ray uh, version of Louis Benwell's Exterminating Angel, which mm. is like, oh, great, because I still have the DVD of that uh, that I still have not watched. Um, so I will not be rushing out to buy that. Um, we've got a uh, uh, recent film, The Heart of a Dog, uh, directed by Laurie Anderson. Are you familiar with Laurie Anderson at all?
1: No, but based on the title alone, that doesn't sound like an RJ pick. <laughs>
0: I don't know if there's uh, actual hearts of dogs in it, but Lori Anderson, be. she's a, uh, musician, video artist, uh, extraordinaire. She's got this really cool video, uh, it's like Superman. Mm-hmm. It, if you check it out, it's pretty neat. I don't know if you, if you're okay. into that art house stuff, uh, Laurie Anderson's a pretty cool lady though. Okay. Uh, and then although, well, the one more significant one of the lot is this one film called Asphalt Jungle which mm-hmm. uh, is significant because it's a Warner Brothers uh, release
2: Ooh, they we, don't get so a lot yeah of those.
0: no well, that's the thing is like to me that teases perhaps some good things to come um yeah. because I mean there's there has been some other like um big movies that have kind of come out of the Warner Brothers uh, studio to Criterion, but seeing asphalt Jungle mm-hmm. come in, which I'll mention is uh, directed by John Houston um it's kind of like Nice. I'm like, I already, I have. It was in a uh, like five DVD set that Warner Brothers put out like ten years ago. It was like on film noir stuff, and Mm -hmm. it was one of those films on there. That box set I think is like long out of print, and I think I don't even know if Asphalt Jungle has been available by itself for a while, but now it's coming out from Criterion, um, and it'll probably look really nice Mm because I mean Warner Brothers isn't putting this stuff out on Blu-ray, so someone should. But I mean, my my hope is that Warner Brothers will do the right thing and they will put out uh, Ken Russell's uh the devils and Ooh. and they will give it to Criterion to do it right cuz and that would just be the the biggest coup that any uh like DVD Blu-ray uh, release company could do mm-hmm. like that would be the that's like the it. If, if you get that out and it's like the full uncut G, rape of jesus whatever everything's mm-hmm. in that that comes out man that, and this is like that little oh, it feels like it's an inch closer to that reality coming
1: that'd be pretty cool yeah um i i uh i have seen the devils and i like it and i think that would be pretty cool but uh i uh that news gets me more excited about maybe just warner brothers opening up their uh their vaults a little bit more because to criterion because they have some of my old time jammers and uh a lot of like my most wanted criterions are in the warner brothers collection and i've always i've just accepted for a long time that it will probably never be so Are you talking about Mel Gibson movies? Uh, Maybe I am. What of it? All right. Whatever. Uh, Well, that and like I don't know. All Chris Nolan's joints are Warner Brothers, so I'd like to see his stuff get that. Well, I actually. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say following, but that that was independent. That was yeah. That was his own thing. Yeah. So uh, no. Anyways, yeah. That's that's cool. Yeah, I think it'd be
0: yeah, it'd be really good to get Christopher Nolan some more exposure.
1: Yeah, well, I, I just want to like, I just want to get some more in depth stuff from him, you know. <laughs> get a commentary from him. He he's never done it before.
0: So. did he not do a commentary on the following?
1: I don't think so. Oh, I could be way off, but well, you own it, right? <sighs> yeah, I do. I, I'll well, go check after. Okay. And then uh, if I if I am wrong, uh, I won't bring it up. Honestly, I don't. Because I don't admit failure.
0: Well, that's it for my news. That's it. Mm-hmm. Nothing is going on in the world worth talking about other than Criterion Blu-ray releases in December. So you what do you, unless, unless you can challenge me on that.
1: You couldn't be more wrong. I have the only news that needs to be covered. It was announced this week that the fallen son, my favorite person in the world, Mel Gibson, is expecting his ninth child <laughs> with his 26-year-old girlfriend. Yep. Uh, why is this news? I don't know, because I like Mel Gibson. So that's pretty fun. Um, I didn't know he had nine kids. That's pretty fucking crazy. He's... Well, eight, uh, I guess, but... He's virile. Incoming. Oh, fucking right he is. You seen those abs? You ever seen those abs, man? That's it. That's all I got for you. That's it? Well... Yeah Okay really. No
0: that, yeah, that, that's it Hey that's fine um, I'm sure that the Listeners don't care And they're happy That we're done Talking about yep. this stuff So anyways uh, After the break We're going to Talk about The 7th Seal Directed by Ingmar Bergman How you feel About that RJ?
1: Pretty fucking uh, Pretty pretty good Excellent
2: Black plague has struck, and diseased eyes roll upwards as if knowing which direction their souls will travel. A woman in black cries as the deathly procession passes by, and monks moan in mass. The yet clean peasant pounds upon the castle door, for it is safer inside the walls. Their knocking pounds a dull tone across the quiet, deserted courtyard. The bodies of unfortunates bloat in the hot sun outside the castle walls, and ones ignorant of all facts plunder the diseased corpses for remaining riches. And the bell tolls on. A man walks round the castle walls on the outside. The light from his lamp dancing shadows as he moves. He tends the sick. Gives comfort to all he can for dying woman and crying man. But he feels it most for the children. Sitter herran, han är ganska fjärran. Men din broder Satan, möter du på gatan. Vad har du gjort av min fru?
3: Sommaren är förstås bättre än vintern. För på sommaren slipper man frysa. Men våren är det allra bästa. <skratt> 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 du blir det där, där blåtyra, general. Så inte lägger det på käften, så att du inte ens kan göra några konster för turkarkarnivaler. Pästen, den svarta döden, hemsökte Europa vid mitten av 1300-talet. Den härjar också i Sverige när riddaren Antonius Block är på hemväg från ett korståg. En gång drog han ut till det heliga landet som en trosvis ung krigare. Nu återvänder han, plågad av tvivel och ovisshet. Skulle det inte finnas någon Gud? Den tanken är honom outhärdlig. När döden plötsligt står framför honom vill han ha upp och lockar döden till ett parti schack. Till innan han dör vill han ha gjort en enda meningsfull handling. Det får han tillfälle till när slumpen för i hans väg en liten gycklarfamilj som mitt i en värld av lidande och ondska bevarat sin ljusa förtröstan, sin glädje över att leva. Och när schackpartiet lider mot sitt slut slår han omkull pjäserna för att vinna tid och för att den lilla familjen ska hinna rädda sig undan döden.
0: and we're back and in breaking news Christopher Nolan did in fact do a commentary track on following
1: Uh, I feel like this must have happened in the last 10 minutes because yep. I don't buy it
0: very well mm-hmm. The Seventh Seal directed by Ingmar Bergman from 1957 synopsis Death literally walks the land in medieval Sweden. Recently returned from the Crusades, we are introduced to disillusioned knight Antonius Block and his squire Jeans, Discovering a plague-scarred world, making their way home. Exhausted and relaxing on a beach, death itself appears to Antonius. It would seem at this point the end has come for the two, but the knight challenges death to a game of chess and hopes to beat death. This amuses death, he takes up the challenge, and thus we get one of the most iconic scenes in cinema. Uh, after that, we're introduced to a second group of characters. Uh, it's a traveling troupe of actors, young uh, Joff, Mia, and their infant son, Mikhail, uh, along with fellow actor and manager, Scott. Um, here we are introduced to a pastoral image of medieval life in between making the towns, making dates. Uh, we have, we see that Joff's, uh, has images and visions that he gets that other people mm-hmm. don't see. Uh, it's kind of left to our own devices, what that's all about. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Then, uh, back to Block and Johns, uh, they can, they're continuing their journey home, uh, to, uh, Antonius Block's wife, um, who I guess lives in a castle. Uh, and they're in this journey, they come across rotting corpses, abandoned churches, uh, talk of ominous omens of darkness and death and two-headed cows and horses eating one another. Um, mm-hmm. Just general end times sort of things going on. Um, a young woman is going to be put to the torch because she's been accused of a witch, which is something that would happen in uh, medieval Europe. Uh mm-hmm atonius while at one of these abandoned churches uh, on churches on his way back home uh starts like spilling his guts to a priest he thinks about his disillusionment and worldview and the emptiness and meaninglessness of this world that he finds himself in uh, but it turns out it's just death sitting there waiting to get some sweet tips on how to beat him in chess Mm-hmm. Um, they come across a man named Ravan, uh, who apparently was the one who inspired, uh, Antonius to head out to the Holy Lands to crusade. And now that same man is caught up, uh, in raping and robbing his way across this now plague ridden, uh, land. John's the squire. He breaks up one of these rapes, uh, of a servant girl who then he takes on to, uh, his own services, I guess, with on their way back. Uh, at this point, our whole cast of characters are now in the same town, along with a procession of, uh, I guess what is it, flagellants? Flagellants. Flagellants. Yeah. Thank you. And <laughs> um, there's blacksmiths, blacksmiths' wives who like getting uh, banged by actors. And oh, yeah. some more doom and gloom. Uh, Joff the actor He gets a rough time At the local public house After Scat takes off With the blacksmith's wife um, And Ravan Feeling like shit After getting slapped around By Johns Takes it out On this poor nice Actor fellow um, Anyway Eventually we get Our actors Our knights Our squire All together And uh, Antonio's Kind of uh, decides he's going to protect this family And he's, they're, they're welcome to join Met's castle uh, to help write out This whole plague business mm-hmm. So on that final leg we get a witch burning uh, Death knells of a Poor plagued bastard uh, Death becomes a lumberjack Some good old fashioned table flips uh, A reunion A final supper And uh, again another one of those Most famous shots in all film history Type of things So RJ I'll let you start what did you think of The Seventh Seal?
1: You're going to let me start?
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm generous man. that way.
1: Man, that's pretty nice, Jarrett. Um, I think this movie rules. Uh, this movie's really fucking good. I like it a lot. It might be my favorite Bergman. Uh, although, admittedly, I've only seen about a handful. Mm. Um, I haven't seen Persona, but uh, based on the short write-up on that I feel like that's my kind of jam as well yeah so I haven't seen that one yet but I did watch the long version of Fanny and Alexandra once so I think I'm pretty much uh, a Bergman authority um no yeah this movie's fucking awesome it's got like you said like great images uh I think the story is really good um I think a lot of the conversations they have about like death and religion and like, the meaning of life and sorrow and horror and stuff like that. It's all, like, super relevant today. Like, I feel like it's just, like, timeless conversations that people have had forever and people will have forever. So, like, that kind of stuff really resonates with me. Um, I'll go – like, I think – Even just like the way it opens, I think is amazing where it's like, oh, yeah. like there's like, (laughs) like with the clouds, like the heavens open up and then there's that like bird on a rope and it's just like, oh, like, (laughs) oh, but
0: but what about those, uh, really nice perfunctory opening credits?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that also, Hmm. Um, which,
0: which is like the thing that like Woody Allen just like uses and abuses for the rest of his days.
1: I, uh, I one time watched a, um uh like bonus feature woody allen thing and he was saying that he did steal a lot of bergman stuff like especially later day bergman um like use of colors like red and stuff like that i think it was it might have been persona he was talking about or it could have been fanny and alexandra at certain scenes but like uh, i think woody allen is pretty open with that actually no you know what it was i was watching the bonus features to wild strawberries and uh, Woody Allen was in there and he was talking about how he just stole a lot of Bergman style. So, so fuck you, Woody Allen. (laughs) Um, Back to the film. Back to the film. Uh, No. Yeah. um, I think this movie is just really good. Like, uh, I don't know. Come as a uh, young, as raised a young Catholic boy. I feel like a lot of this stuff is very uh, personal to me. And, you know, it's it's just real life, Jared. It's real life and God in the heavens. Huh. Uh, I have a lot of individual things to say too, but okay. I don't know if you want to. Well, if you, you know, want to get your say yeah, in there. Yeah, well, I we've
0: mean, been back and forth a bit. Um. Yeah. So, I, I guess the first thing I wrote here was "back in black and white in a language and land I don't know." Mm-hmm. Um. The I guess like overall, my impression of this movie is that it doesn't really feel like a movie at all, and I mean that in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um. Like it's like I feel like if like. Max Saito side, I was almost a detraction in the movie. Cause I know he's a movie star and mm-hmm. I know that it's like, Oh, he's an actor. And like everything else in this movie just seems like, Oh, this is real. Like this has actually yeah. happened or happening. Um, mm-hmm. and but it's like, so like, I don't know how any director can really achieve that so well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this movie just does. Um, to me, it's like, it's sort of the, this movie kind of perfectly captures, uh, like what the Criterion Collection is. Like, I couldn't think yeah. of, like, a more, like, perfect candidate for uh, the Criterion Collection. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's see, going along here. Uh, it kind of falls into the, like, realm of, like, one of my favorite, favorite sub which there's not enough, and that's medieval horror.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, there's just something about that particular, like that era, like we're, I I guess we're talking like, what is this? 14th, 15th century Europe. Um, and this whole idea of like all these, like people living in a world without electricity, which just means like there's no light. Like, so you're living in a world of torches and flame Mm -hmm. and like when dark darkness is actual darkness. And I guess the whole thought process of people, like when you're when you have, if when you had spare time where where you weren't spending like every waking moment of your life trying to just survive and kind of move on with your day, um, and try yeah. go to sleep and hopefully not be killed while sleeping because somebody could, could come along and kill you in your sleep. And there's like not like there's really uh detectives around investigating your death accurately, mm-hmm. uh, and like so when people are like you know just making by and they stare off into the darkness, like what do they see? What do mm-hmm. they imagine are out there? And that, that goes into like sort of these like, uh, these wonderful, um, sort of like religious paintings of like demons and stuff like that that exist. And whenever I see those type of paintings, um, I always kind of imagine like, oh, people might actually think this is what's going on. Just mm-hmm. like in the end, in that darkness. Um, yeah.
1: There, there's a great, uh, like a line in this movie when, um, what's his name? Yof, the Squire? Uh, when the squire is talking to the painter and he's like why do you paint like such grim things like why don't you paint like happy stuff and the painter's just like he's like i tell it like it is man and it's like this is how the world is it's he's, he's basically he's like everything sucks the world is life is pain and horror and he's like that's why i have to paint it oh,
0: so, so hey you want to hear like a uh, possibly uh, pretentious take on that character uh the, of the, of the painter so i what? think i think of that painter that's sort of Bergman, right? That he he yeah. is the he is medieval Bergman because the first thing is like so he comes into in into the church and there's the mm. um, the fresco walls or, or the frescoes on the ceilings and um, right. and the first thing we see is like oh here's an Im- here's the dance of death, which yeah. okay there's the dance of death and then later on there's like the flagellants uh, also drawn on the other side and it's sort of this like educational kind of. Uh, Capturing of stuff But then I just started Thinking about how this movie Was viewed like traditionally Which would be in an Art house cinema Or a cinema Not an art house mm-hmm. one Necessarily And like this whole idea Of like people going to Like a Sort of like a Gathering place Like uh, the, the Film Gore Church Which is the theater And they're looking up On like basically These large walls uh, Of these projections Of things like Death and, like, that's, like, mm-hmm. the whole thing, like, my understanding that, like, the impetus for uh, Bergman making this movie was him, like, dealing with his own, like, concerns about dying, his fear of death. Mm-hmm. And he basically just made this, like, morality play, uh, kind of, like, almost fairy tale about that. And it's, like, well, here's actually death as a guy. Like here's some of like, or it's, like, I can kind of understand and picture death as this man uh, in white makeup wearing this black mm-hmm. cloak and he just like kind of sneaks around and appears uh, out of the blue and it's like what well, that—that yeah. that is death
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. no yeah I uh, I love like the interpretation of death like I too picture him as like just a frail old man but like kind of weasley but I always picture death to have like skeleton hands and arms so like he ha- he'll have a face like that guy but like his hand would be like a skeleton hand because it would be spookier you know <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> yeah anyways keep
0: going so anyway so yeah like it's like that's about all I really got with my thought process on the Bergman as the fresco painter kind of figure because like in that um uh it's I think John's the, the squire yeah he's sort of like well what's the point of this so you're just like going to send people to church or whatever and the guy's like well that's not really my problem I'm just I'm just here depicting what I'm depicting uh, yeah. Like he's a visualist, I guess. Like he's there mm-hmm. to like show the images and these are the things that are like he's observing in the world around him and like right. he's depicting them and it's like people do with that with what they want. Um mm-hmm. he's like he's, he has no answers.
1: Right.
0: And I think that's yeah, kind of he's like He's just telling it like it is. Yeah. That's all. I mean that's kind of like what any artist really does at the end of the day. It's like, well, you make of it what you do and uh mm-hmm. go about your business.
1: Go about your business. Please. <laughs> yeah, um, no.
0: Yeah. So like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, Max von Sydow. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. He's sort of the. I guess like he's the Myfune or like De Niro to Bergman. <laughs> I guess. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He's his guy. Um,
1: mm-hmm. he, he's pretty. He's pretty cool. I don't know if you saw, but he was in that new Star Wars movie. So I think he's got a pretty bright career ahead of him. <laughs> Didn't he- he's, a, he's an up and coming hot youngster, Max von Sydow.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know. <sighs> yeah, so um, this is kind of like another um, piece of uh, apocalypse cinema too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I like um, I like the idea that like like it's clearly medieval times, but I also like that it could be like the future, like after like a nuclear apocalypse, mm-hmm. and it, and it's just like wanderers and stuff like that. I think that would be cool too. And you could just you oh, could man. easily just plunk that down R. here. R.
0: I got some real talk here. When I, when right. I first watched this movie, uh, when I was probably in high school, uh, that was like yeah. totally my takeaway <laughs> was like, oh, really? yeah, oh yeah. No, I was like, yeah, no, it's, it's like you could do the exact same type of thing. Like, cause like, I think like the, the, the two characters of like, uh, Antonius block and John's like, they they have mm-hmm. such a good, like uh, repertoire mm-hmm. and they're, so basically it's like, how many times have we seen that character? Like it's like anime or like a manga yeah. thing where it's like, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like the sarcastic kind of embittered, like uh, nihilist and to like yeah. kind of the disillusioned kind of like high and mighty character who's kind of like fallen. Like yeah. he doesn't know what he wants to do anymore. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's yeah, it would totally translate to, um, yeah. Like post-apocalyptic stuff where Like Oh, here's the body. Hey buddy, what's going on? And then you turn the body over and it's a corpse. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, yeah. So like, but no, instead of on
0: anymore. horses, they're on motorcycles.
1: Fuck yeah! Yeah, Um,
0: (laughs) and mutants,
1: (laughs) mutants, slow mutants. Um, The reason I I think I thought about that too is going back, like Steve, like the Dark Tower. That's basically what it is like because like the first books and like it, it continues on through the series. But like the world that the gun, uh, the gunslinger is in, like it's a different world removed from this one. And like they everyone in that world has like a phrase where they're like times moved on. So it's like this desolate Western plane. But every now and then they'll like come across like uh like old oil trucks and like machines and stuff yeah. like that. But it's like mm you get the impression that that stuff's been sitting for like thousands of years. Like no one knows how to use them anymore. Oh yeah. It's Um, stuff like that. So
0: there, there is the, uh, there is the uh, anime too. like a vampire hunter D it's like exactly that. Cause it's like set Mm -hmm. 10,000 years in the future. And so like Uh, all of like our society's kind of gone away, but now it's kind of like gone into this weird, like mm -hmm. Victorian slash like yeah futuristic hybrid. And like, it's in, in that scenario, you have like the vampire hunter D character and then you have his, uh, his other character who's actually in his hand or I think it's, mm. yeah. And it's like sort of that like, and, but they they, they had the same sort of interaction. Um, yeah. i mean, it's just like kind of a weird uh, trope, I think that's in fiction, but yeah, it, it translates so well. I think it speaks to like, kind of like that, these things kind of transcending
1: um time. Mm-hmm. But usually yeah, that's, yeah. yeah that's that's what I mean. Like yeah, this movie is basically like, timeless like that's what i meant like the conversations they have like the ideas they bring up like i imagine people have always talked about like about those very same things and like i think people always will like like what is life like there's a i think max manzito at one point he's like life is just senseless horror and it's yeah. like i was like yeah man you tell him you tell him
0: oh yeah him and his sad long face Fuck uh, yeah. yeah no there's yeah there's just like um like, or just the scenes, like, when the, um, the, the the woman, like, the she's, like, going to be burnt. And, mm-hmm. like, they're, like, what does she see? What's going on in her eyes? And he's just, like, there's nothing there. <laughs> and it's just, you, like, Yelp <laughs> you,
1: you know what I wrote down at that moment, Jared, that yeah. I thought I'd bring up to you? Yeah. I put martyrs prequel? question mark yeah. Yeah. what do you see in those eyes jerry yeah
0: and huh? then you go oh yeah. boy i'm gonna go and mm-hmm. i'm gonna go top myself
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. but, but no yeah like even all that stuff i think is fucking awesome like i love like you kind of said like that dark gothic horror types things like <laughs> like witches and plagues and like stuff like that like when them when the the, uh, the actors get interrupted by, like, the March of the Damned, that scene is so fucking good. Yeah. Like, where it's just, like, people, like, uh, like you said, like, whipping themselves. There's, like, lepers that, like, can't even walk. And then there's that one dude who just comes out and basically, like, tells everybody, like, what's wrong with them. He's like, you there with the fat face. It's like, you're a fat loser and you're going to die alone. Even, like, he just tells everyone, yeah. like, their problems or, like, what's wrong with them. And then, he, and then like, to cap it all off, he's just, like, and everybody's going to fucking die. He's, like, so none of this even matters. Like, that whole sequence is just awesome. I think it's... Yeah, well, I
0: yeah. I mean, it's such a play against the type of that type of character, too, where it's, like, mm-hmm. in, like, your historical depictions, I guess, you'd have these, like, very loving sort of, like, priestly figures. But it's, like, no, like yeah. some of these people are just, like, th- these are, like, man, imagine being, like, a like a rural kid who's like been taught how to read and write. And then like, you're now like out there and you've been thinking about like God and the world and you see what the world is. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You're going to have a pretty harsh, brutal reality of like the way things are. And like, you're going to be part of like this, like monk priest class. And like, you're going to be above it all. And you're there to save people. You're going to talk a particular way. And I think it's like a more realistic depiction here in uh, the seventh seal than usually you would get
1: hmm Yeah, and, that's kind
0: of yeah. why I like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny too that I mentioned like the devils uh earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. and then now we're talking about the Seven Seal, because like there's like both uh so much in the same space for me. It's like depictions of like just madness in like yeah. this in like uh one of my favorite backdrops that you're uh, kind of um if we're pre eighteenth century Europe where it's just like mm-hmm. dirty, filthy, scummy, miserable, wet. Like, like it always seems like it's yeah. like wet, it's raining or something like that, and you're trudging through mud. Mm. And like, well, we don't have motors yet, so we have to walk every step of the way mm. the rest of our lives until we die. And then we're going to have children, and they're going to continue doing the exact same thing. It's like part of this like yeah. march in progress through time. And it's just like, oh yeah, we we have it better now than we've ever had before, and we kind of lose sight mm-hmm. of that on a regular basis. And so, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, once again, um, this film does a excellent, excellent job of creating uh, a sense of space in time that, uh, yeah, it's like totally convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah. And there's yeah. like, yeah, there's these, there's like all these like speeches and like, uh, monologues and dialogues in the movie. They're mm-hmm. all like variously important, I guess, to like every, these things that, uh, Bergman's probably having in his own head or with his own like circle mm-hmm. of friends or family. Um, yeah. and just like it's real it's real talk I guess
1: <laughs> yeah real talk well yeah. so like I uh I first saw this movie like a year or two ago and uh I really dug it then too and so like I looked into this Bergman guy I want to see what else this guy was into and like I saw like particularly with this movie like I guess it's a theme in all his stuff but like what he was saying he was like he because his dad was like a super strict Catholic like as you see in Fanny and Alexandra, I guess, and we'll get there, but like how he was kind of like raised like that. And then when he was older, he didn't, he didn't really know what to believe. And like, that's kind of, I think that really shows in his work, like, especially through like Max von Sydow's character or er, character where he's talking about like blind faith and stuff like that. He's like, how can he's like, it's not o- enough to like believe in something that is never like responsive and like yeah. the, uh, the silent God and stuff like that. And, um, I think that stuff's all really cool and it shows a lot in his work and I just remembered one thing actually that's kind of uh, interesting is I guess like when Bergman was younger he like his parents or like also did like a funeral home type of thing or like I don't know if it was like a church thing but like I remember reading somewhere that like he had to carry corpses around as like a little kid huh. and like that some of that like came back in the movie. Um and the only reason i bring that up is because that's like when I was talking about that movie. I am not a Ser- serial killer. Is like the the kid works in like a funeral home, and he's dealing with corpses. So I guess it could have been Bergman. Could have been could've Bergman been
0: him. He could he could have been a killer.
1: He could have been hanging out with Christopher Void right now if mm. he had played his cards right. Yep. Yeah. Not being dead. Not being dead. Yep. Ingmar. Oh, Ingmar.
0: Ing, big Ing. Big yeah. ink. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, another thing with this movie, too, is like, if you like read about this movie on paper, it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like it's a good time at all. But the no. movie's actually got like, it's really punctuated with like some like humor and like, just like kind of like, uh, I think I mentioned before, like there's like these pastoral scenes and it seems like it's like not that bad. Like there's like enough there to like, I guess, get you through uh, the rest of your life. Like when you're like, if you were living in this scenario and like the stuff with like the blacksmith and his wife and stuff like that. I mean, that's all like, uh, like, not Pilgrim's Progress, but like, just like that's like beckons back to like, yeah, um, like old poems and stuff like that, and like mm-hmm. they, they're just like, oh, yeah, that old that old chestnut of chestnut. uh getting cuckolded Wandering by your wives. wife and stuff like that. Yeah, it's all hilarious, and oh, he's gonna kill mm-hmm. you. He's gonna cave your head in. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I uh, I have two things that I wrote down that I really liked about like those specific characters. Number one, have you ever seduced somebody with a chicken wing, Jarrett?
0: Can't say as I have yet.
1: Well, you're not really living then, I guess. No nope. uh, So I thought that was really cool. And then the blacksmith guy later when he meets back up with them, he threatens to kill a guy by farting on him. And I think that's fucking amazing to have had happened in a very fancy black and white nineteen fifties movie to have a a guy basically say, Hey man, I'll fucking fart and you'll die. How how about that? Yeah, that's so.
0: that's groundbreaking.
1: Yeah, I didn't just have that as a note. I had an arrow to it <laughs> instead of just a single tab because I thought it was that important.
0: Yeah. Um, so. As I mentioned in my uh, synopsis, that, that tree sawing scene um, – that's, like, the one thing I really remember about this movie more mm-hmm. than, like, you know, the dance of death along the, the hill with the sun coming yeah. up against them or uh, mm-hmm. or death appearing at the beginning. Um, yeah, no, that, mm-hmm. that thing is, like, the weirdest, funniest thing because it's, like, it's, it's, it's so funny because it's, like, oh, it's death and, oh, he's yeah. got a saw with them. And the guy's, like, what are you doing down there? And he's, like, oh, it's time for you to die. And it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, that's it. It's, like, oh, this is, like, goes into, like, almost, like, Looney Tunes, like, territory where it's, like, he's, like, yeah. Bugs Bunny.
1: Yeah, it it definitely isn't. And Elmer it, <laughs> yeah, and it's so it's like you said, it's so funny. Like the fact that he just comes up with that thing, and the the guy's like, "Well, can I stop?" He's like, Nah. He's like, "It's just gonna happen." And yeah, that that seems super funny. And then I have another note, and it just says, "I like that squirrel." So uh, when that tree actually oh, yeah. falls down, a really bushy-eared squirrel comes up, and uh, I think that squirrel's pretty cool.
0: Apparently, that was that was legit too.
1: Like it was Bergman's squirrel.
0: Uh, it was a squirrel on site.
1: It it looked like a real squirrel. No,
0: it was one of those weird squirrels we don't get over here in North America.
1: Bushy ear squirrels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. I like that squirrel.
0: Yeah, good job, squirrel.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you did it, man. He did it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I
0: was kind of uh, looking around a little bit, reading about this movie too, and uh, I guess some actual uh, like historians have some issue with the inaccuracies of Bergman's medieval world. Oh, um, fuck off. Yeah, well, it, this thing is like, well, you know, uh, the Crusades—they uh, were actually kind of like a more optimistic time, and they wrapped up mm-hmm. like you know several decades before like the doom and gloom presented here, but.
1: Yeah, sure. More optimistic. Like, yeah, okay. Why don't you go back there and like you said, get fucking trench foot and like just wading through mud your whole life and tell me that it's optimistic. <laughs> or that it that you're having a good time.
0: Yeah, I was like, Oh, so, you know the black yeah. plague didn't actually happen when it said it did. And I was like uh, <laughs> yep. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. that's neither here nor there. <laughs>
1: It's just thing. It's like trivial things that like don't matter. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're it's like I nitpick about things like, you know, in Batman movies, why doesn't he show his abs more like but deep down, it doesn't really matter only to me. So yeah. these guys just need to chill out. Yeah, that's what I think.
2: Absolutely. You know what?
1: I? You know what? I would have qualms with more than a, the historical depiction uh, the depiction of that guy claiming to uh, self-proclaimed juggler. That's the laziest fucking juggling I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> that's the only problem I have with this movie is like the guy's like not much pay here for a juggler and he only has two balls and he just throws one at a time. And he throws it up with his right hand and then he grabs the ball in his left hand with his right hand and then catches with the left. Like that's not juggling. He's just throwing balls in the air. So. If if you're gonna my point I guess is if you're gonna take like any part of this movie to like get mad about or like have problems with, it's the juggling. That's it.
0: That's it. Yeah. That's it. Man. You're putting the juggling on notice.
1: That's fucking right, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. You go girl.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah, and I guess like other thing I guess I could bring up is just like this like so this movie was kind of like the OG of art house cinema in uh, North America. Okay. Like so when, I, when it started showing up uh, in, I guess, New York and stuff like that, this movie was like, people were like, really like, what is this? Cause it's like, mm-hmm. not, I mean, we haven't really seen too many uh, American 1950s movies uh, so far on the Criterion creep. But I mean, I've mm-hmm. seen them in my own time. Um, and like, yeah, like this movie would be probably pretty like strange for a lot of people. Cause I mean like at this point, like this, like, so like, along with like, uh, like seven samurai, seven seal, like these are like the two movies that really like opened up. I think a lot of like the, the directors that like we still talk about in the seventies, th- these were the movies that people were watching for the first time. And just like, they were like, mm-hmm. holy crap. Like, this is like, I don't even know what this is. Like, it's kind of like, off, it's like off and like, but they're, it's beautifully shot black and white. Um, uh, and they're just telling stories completely differently. Everything mm-hmm. seems a bit more like naturalistic, which is kind of strange when you're talking about a movie about death walking around and mm-hmm. like playing chess with people. Um, it's like, well, that doesn't seem naturalistic at all. But it's like it really it it comes off that way, which yeah. I guess is a again a is. credit to uh, Bergman is a uh, yeah. a compositor of people and putting stuff mm-hmm. together and making it all work together.
1: It's totally believable. Like that, there's not a there's not a point in this movie where I don't believe what's going on. Like, all that stuff. It it works great.
0: Yeah. No, it's... Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I have that much more to say about 7 Steel. Just because it's like... It's just like, what more can I add or think? Like, it seems like Mm -hmm. it's all pretty self-explanatory or whatever, um, yeah. I, I checked out the commentary track by my main man, uh, Peter Cowie. Uh, oh, who, no. It's his, it's his reappearance, uh, him rearing his head uh, since our first episode uh, where he did the commentary on Grand Illusion. Um, mm-hmm. the, the one thing that stood out uh, on that for me was like, he seems like weird, like, so it was recorded in 1987, and he seems like weirdly insecure about the film's reputation and Bergman's reputation. Like, he's saying, like, in <laughs> uh, this scene here, uh, as they approach a church, uh, audiences have been known to groan because, it's like, oh, it's a Bergman movie with another church. <laughs> I'm just, like, oh, I, I don't know, like, who, what sort of people uh, Peter Cowie went to movies with, <laughs> like, but it's, yeah. like, uh, maybe you should get some new friends or, like, I don't know. I think time, like, it seemed like the movie, like, almost had, like, a period of time where it had fallen out of favor or just seemed mm-hmm. a little, like, too corny or something like that but I don't know I think that that period of time was cr- passed over really fast because yeah I don't know I don't really see too many people uh, hating on this movie though I do have some uh, who hates this movie uh, choice mm. reviews if, uh, if unless you have uh, more things you might want to comment on um
1: no it's like you said I think it's all there the only thing I did want to say is that I forgot to mention when we're talking about the way death looks uh, I wrote down Q from TNG yeah, so that's all. Okay. Uh, that's all. I just wanted to make that little uh, comparison there, so people know. Very Anyways. well. Anyways, yeah. Um, I was just also putting it off because I don't want to hear about people who hate this movie because they they suck. Okay.
0: Well, we're gonna hear yep. from people who hate this movie. <sighs> um, half a star from Zeke Taylor. A movie founded yeah. upon the notion that the universe is grounded in nothing ends up amounting to little more than nothing. There are movies that are founded on something and end up amounting to something, indicating that behind the universe there may in fact be something. What? Yep. What? Uh,
1: I, don't, I don't understand. Am I dumb? I don't understand that at all.
0: I, I think it boils down to this person uh, is just like on a f- philosophical level uh, opposed to... What Bergman's laying down? Shut up. Uh, one and a half star rating from Ignisalage. First mm. Bergman, not really impressed.
1: <laughs> Is that it? That's it. That's it. It's that guy uh, again. Not I- really.
0: Not, yeah. not impressed. <laughs> not impressed. One and a half star rating from Ben. Why do you paint such nonsense to remind people they're going to die? The Seven Seals, a disgustingly verbose, self-involved, contrived film with the lame premise and the goofiest portrayal of anything evil I've ever seen. I almost faked my death halfway through to get out of it.
1: That's dumb. That's so stupid. Like, what does he, he want for portrayals of evil? Like, Krampus from uh, that hit movie Krampus from, uh, you know, to last year? Like, uh,
0: Krampus as seen in, in Krampus.
1: Yeah, as seen in Krampus, like contrived dribble fuck off that's dumb
0: uh, and then oh, there, was, there was actually quite a few people uh, but here's a one and a half star rating from Grapsta. It's, <laughs> h- it's hilarious that even the people who sound like they really didn't enjoy it feel like they still have to give it four stars personally nothing resonated and I was bored gave up halfway through
1: Jeez, well he's all he's doing is hurting himself from good things giving up like that, man, it could, maybe the dance macabre at the end would have changed his life. Who knows?
0: <laughs> maybe he should
1: dance his way to death. Yeah. He didn't even see the squirrel if he, if he left halfway
0: or the, yeah, no no tree chopping, uh, oh. no, no witch burning.
1: S- silly, silly, silly. Yeah.
0: Oh, you know what? I'll, I'll throw this one out there. So, uh, I've been, scoping out those uh, Roger Ebert great movie reviews on the movies Mm -hmm. we've been watching. And like one thing that I found like incredible with old Roger Ebert is like, he just gets like factual information wrong a lot. And (laughs) I mean, (laughs) like he just like, (laughs) it's like us. Yeah. Like us. We're up there too, I'm sure. But, um, no, there's just like things where he'll say like certain characters are in cages when it's like, Mm-hmm. No, no, they weren't in a cage in that scene, <laughs> but he'll just, he'll just say that. And I mean, I get that. Like he was probably writing about four or five reviews a week at a time. And, yeah. um, so he, he, when you watch a movie, say in the theater, like you, you write your notes down and like, you're kind of maybe half remembering stuff when you're putting it down and you can't go back mm-hmm. because your job's live. But like, I'm, I'm assuming when he wrote his seventh seal review, he had a copy of it like on hand. And yeah. he'd be able to maybe fact check this stuff or like his editors would like, I mean, they, they can't necessarily go to the movies to fact check him either, but like, it's a yeah. constant thing in his stuff. Like, it's like, not like once in a while, it's like pretty consistent. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I don't know if anyone's ever thought about bringing that up to him. Obviously now the point is moot, but, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to keep an eye on that and I will, uh, be bringing it up as I've noticed the, uh, Roger Ebert, like <laughs> factual inaccuracies. Okay. That, some, that can be a new segment. Yeah. Rod. <laughs> what did Rod Ebert say about a movie that was not actually accurate
1: at all? Yeah, just to, uh, you know, pile shit on his, of his uh, grave. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, he, mm-hmm. all right.
0: All right. Well, yeah, anything else?
1: No, man, I think that is good. Yeah. Uh, I like this movie. It's really good.
0: So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say that it's like, yeah, it's in the, top echelons of the stuff we've watched so far.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. and hopefully I put it on par with seven Samurai. Yeah. Uh, and for me, yeah. I put them both at, they both have top spot right now. If it was, if they could be shared.
0: Hmm. All so. right. Well, I think that's it. Yep. Yeah, okay. It. Well, uh, hope you enjoyed listening to all that people. And, uh, after the break we will, I don't know, Push some social media shit on you.
1: I just remembered i had a sweet joke about uh seal team six and how seventh seal was a, a sequel fuck oh it'll never be now <laughs> do, you, do you get it though jared do you get it i'm implying that the seventh seal is like like an actual seal you
0: and can follow us on that twitter <laughs> at criterion creeps you can email us at criterion creeps at gmail.com we appreciate it Facebook page exists. Criterions on the Tumblr creeps thing. Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. If you can't wait to see what we're talking about next. I'm Jarrett Duncan and he's Barnloaf. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're on SoundCloud.com. Criterion creeps. Uh, Stitcher and iTunes. Please subscribe. Please review. Please rate. All that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Follow us. Do what's right. Hey, RJ. Hey, RJ. Yo our spine number 12 for our next show it should have been number 11 but you know what we're fixing that shit because our 11th episode is with rob reiner entering the fray this is spinal tap from 1984
1: that's amazing we couldn't have planned that
0: no we really couldn't have it's fortuitous it, 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 it all maybe uh, this is all meant to be Criterion said you know what One day a couple of assholes are going to come along And uh, it's going to be on This thing called the internet And uh, they're going to be like hey They're going to do a review of John Woo back to back So it'll be one mm-hmm. episode So it'll turn out when people are all mad at us That we didn't have this This spinal tap Is spine number 11 Well it'll be the 11th episode on that Said shitty podcast
1: Fucking right meant well, we to fixed it. Be.
0: That's right mm-hmm well that is too sweet my friend
1: too sweet
0: <laughs> see you next time